Welcome to KISS, where we invite you into a simpler way of thinking. See, we're going to talk about strategies and theories, but what most businesses miss is the simple, consistent daily actions. When we go into a business, no matter if it's a larger business or a startup, a lot of those hangups are all the same, and it's also the same ones that we made too. So we thought, you know what, even though, you know, there's lots of different types of programs out there and they're all great. We wanted something that was clear cut and was simple to be able to follow, to be able to help people simplify their own business. Hey, welcome back, guys. So last week, if you're listening, you got to go back and listen to this episode three that we just launched because it's not going to make any sense today in episode four if you don't go back and listen to episode three. So hopefully you're tracking along with us. Uh, last week, we talked about the business entity. We talked about your LLC. We talked about corporate and we kind of started tailing into this, how do you set up a partnership agreement? How do you actually understand what type of a partner to have? What are the pieces that need to be inside the agreement? Personalities, we talked about marriage, that all came into this. We talked about all of those really cool things. And then Marie and I were sitting there afterwards, after we closed down and we said, you know what, we need to do a second episode of this. And technically it's not a part two, but it kind of is a part two. So they, they go together. Uh, so we're gonna talk really about your business relationships and how they pertain to investments, board of advisors, and before you shut down, simply a board of advisors or a board of directors is simply people that you go to for advice. And I don't care if you're a single owner operator, you go to somebody for advice, or you go to the right people for advice. So your hairdresser. (laughs) A lot of people, a lot of people use their hairdresser as a therapist. They do. I know this. Yeah, we can get bad advice from everybody, right? I mean, whether it's our hairdresser, our dog groomer, or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So can you? I mean, can you imagine you're sitting there and you're getting your hair colored because I cover my gray. You let yours shine, but you look good with it. So I would not. But anyway, (laughs) you're sitting there. You're sitting there getting your hair colored over, and you're asking them you know, about specific advice on the structure of your business. I mean, maybe it would make sense if they were also a business owner, but most of the time it's not going to make sense. Like if some, if, like if somebody comes to me and asks me about coloring their hair or a perm or something like that, <laughs> haircut. It's a field of gonna, expertise, right? They're good right. at that part of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I think that's a good discussion. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that we talk about that. For you guys that are listening, you can't see me, but um, I literally just got my hair cut yesterday. And this conversation, as funny as it is, it's very relevant um, because I wasn't sitting there asking it. We didn't talk anything about business. And it's not something that I would go to my barber for that kind of advice. But we had a great discussion about hair and about why my calics stick up. And, oh, I got to leave this part a little bit longer because it's going to frizz a little bit. And if you don't use some gel, I mean, like it was good because he, he, he's been cutting hair for uh, probably longer than I've been alive. I mean, my guy's pretty old, but but he knows all of those pieces about that. And it just makes sense that if I'm going to go and I'm going to look decent, I know you can't see me, but if I'm going to look decent, then I'm going to go to somebody that I trust somebody that has been doing it for a while, they have some expertise in that, and that we started developing a relationship around my hair. Now we take that same kind of thing. Well, I can trust him about my hair. So let's go ahead and ask him about what he thinks I should do in hiring So Joe or, or a produce, or production manager or a marketing manager. And he's like, he doesn't even do that. Why would you ask him that? But we, we, we want to vocalize that, right? We want to get that out. And if we don't talk to our hairdresser, who else do we talk to? It's sometimes our family. Our spouse, our spouse, yeah. I, I, I do that every once in a blue moon. And I mean, if it's something that he does have experience in, he, he sometimes gives me pretty decent advice. But I've caught myself saying the stuff. And then what he says back is completely ridiculous. And I know that one works. And I end up just being like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never mind. Forget that I asked. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean... And I think this is the key, and I want to be really careful about this because my wife does want to be involved. She wants to know what's going on in the business, and it is part of our lives. And as we stated back, I believe it was episode two, uh, we talked about the fact that business is personal and our personal lives have a direct impact on our business. So what I'm not suggesting is that you completely shut down and you never talk about your business with your spouse or with your family. So I want to be really clear about that. But 
there is a significant difference when we're talking about strategic moves or we're looking at uh, finding somebody that specializes in Facebook ads. My wife hates Facebook from the get-go. And so if I'm going to go and find somebody that is really good at marketing on Facebook, I'm not going to go talk to my wife. She just doesn't have the experience on that. And there's no offense against that. It's just we have to make sure that we're looking in the right areas for the advice, for the business growth, and whether it's coaching, mentoring, or a board of advisors slash directors. Then we also have to have to talk about the investment part of it, people that are willing to put money into it. And how does that relationship work? And how do those things work? So I, I think truly what we can do is we can divide this into two segments here. First of all, is actually the technical data. If we look at it from strictly a corporate setting and we look at it from what are the business components that are needed in the investment aspect and in the board of directors. And then we flip over and we kind of talk about it from a grassroots kind of a situation where, man, I'm just getting started, but I do need to be careful on who I select. Like Napoleon Hill talks about the mastermind and who you hang around. I mean, that's a great reference there because you have to be able to create that network. If you don't have a good, solid, strong network, it gets really tiring. You feel like you're alone as a business owner. And frankly, I would say people listening to this right now, we're probably touching on some soul areas where oh, yeah. they're feeling alone. They're feeling the pressure like nobody else understands what you're going through. So I, I really want to be able to just kind of delve into both of those and maybe split our time in half between those two points. I think those are good points to make because I do agree with you 100%. Like, you know, I, I never want to stop going to my husband to kind of offload something because I know even if his advice on the specific subject isn't, you know, well, you mentioned Facebook. My husband also hates Facebook. He actually calls it <laughs> right. Facebook. He absolutely hates it. So if it's something related to that, I usually get some kind of snarky comment about it. But, you know, all in all, dial it back. He, he wants me to succeed. You know, he wants yes. me to reach my goals, even if he's not sure the steps that necessarily need to happen to get me there, he's there to support. And I, I look at that relationship as a supportive relationship, a nurturing relationship, just to support me reaching my goals. And I think that's that for a lot of people, that's going to be where they live. They just care about you, care about what you want, yeah. and they want you to reach it. So sometimes they may give you advice to be able to get there. And there, there's that old saying, eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know, sometimes you got to be like, oh, thank you for that really heartwarming advice that you're trying to help me with and just kind of nod and go on. I've had to do that with lots of people. And sometimes we have to be clear about that. So, I mean, like we just, to, again, we're kind of <laughs> setting this whole thing up, but it's funny as we dig into these relationships, they're so complicated. I know, and my wife and I, we've been married for 25 years. So we've got a long, actually I've known my wife longer than I've not known her. I mean, we've we've been together longer than I've not known that she existed, right? Uh, and so we've learned a lot about each other. We've got a lot of clashes and we've got a lot of good things. But the one thing that I have learned and my wife has learned about me is there's sometimes I just need to talk it out for clarity's sake. And I'm not really asking for advice, but she's willing to listen and allow me to kind of talk that out and then just ask questions about, well, why do you feel that way? Or why do you think that way? So sometimes it's good when you approach your spouse or approach somebody else. It's like, look, I just need to talk this out. I'm not really looking for enough advice. I'm really looking to be able to just share. So that way I don't have the heavy burden. Yep. So there's, there's those types of relationships. So anyway, let's jump no, into I, this or let's go in a, in a good direction. Yeah, so well, we, well, we can dive into it because I think, you know, obviously we touched on, you know, our home relationships or family relationships, but you could also get um, that type of support even within your workplace or your, um, I guess, your connections within your business too. Because I do have yes. certain connections in my business world also that are people I'm going to call, you know, even if it's something I'm just like you mentioned, trying to talk out that I'm, you know, frustrated. I'm, you know, at the brink. We all as business owners, have, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit we have our days where, we just aren't sure if this is going to work. If we just aren't sure if this is what we want to do anymore. We just, is it, you know, we had that conversation. Is this even worth it? What is the point? Yeah. Right. Well, cause we right, you talked me off the ledge a couple of times. <laughs> and, and, and it happens. It, yeah. Cause we all get that way. No matter how much success we may have had in the past, it doesn't matter dollars, company size or whatever. Yeah. We all hit points of complete frustration. So if, if you take nothing else away from this conversation, from our podcast and from all the things that we're sharing, if you take nothing else, the number one thing I want you to take away is networking is basically the lifeblood 
Your community that you develop is the lifeblood of you and your business. If you do not purposely develop that community, that support network, it is very difficult to succeed on your own. Is it impossible? No, but golly, why would you want to? At the end of the life, why would you want to be alone with all of the money or big businesses and not have anybody to share it with? It's, that's a lonely, lonely thing. And I don't want to go down that path. No. I, well, I think a lot of people that end up trying to do it alone um, do so because they feel like they have nobody to trust. They feel like right. they can't trust anybody. And, you know, I think for people that are out there that are like that, you have to get out there and network and figure out just like with any other part of life, you have your kind of layers of trust that you give people. And, you know, if I'm out networking, and I meet somebody that's an expert. We'll just say Facebook ads again, just because we already said that at Facebook ads. And I know they're an expert, but I don't know them very well. I may get advice for them specifically on Facebook ads that I may not ask them about how to handle yep. a problem with a client or, you know, how to handle cash flow issue or, you know, something like that. You know, that may not be who I would go to that person because we haven't established that trusting relationship at that point. And I think we can go ahead and kind of kind of pivot into you had mentioned at the beginning Tim, about just the idea of a board of directors. And I yeah. I know a lot of people out there, they're really like me, they're like, Ugh, I don't want a board yeah. of directors. But I, I like the idea of thinking about it in such a term that sometimes there are dedicated board of directors, depending right. on how your business is structured. And sometimes they're just people that you've kind of, you all kind of have an understanding that, hey, if I have a problem with this, you're my go-to person. If yep. I have a problem with this, you're my you know, go-to person. Yep. Yep. So here's where I, I would say the biggest failure that I see within the board of directors is it ends up being one of two things. Either A, it's a popularity contest or B, it's a relationship contest. And I, I'm kind of making the words up here as I go along, but either yeah. A, it's a popularity contest because it's like who can be on the board of directors and well, that guy's pretty popular. So let's go ahead and throw him on the board of directors and you know, that guy's family. So he deserves a seat on the board of directors and like that guy, man, that is the worst way. That's the number one mistake that I see when you're starting to build out, whether you call it your board of advisory, advisory committee, network, mastermind, board of directors, you have to be selective and who it is that you're going to invite to sit at that table with you. There has to be a purpose for the reason why that individual is going to be there. Now, there's lots of ways we can do this, but let me just give you a couple of areas of expertise that are really important. If you're in a corporation, these are areas that are great. If you are in your own personal business, these are areas that you might want to consider having somebody in your circle that is an expert on these things. So I'll just run down the list and then you guys can we can kind of tail off into other things. So somebody that's an accountant, somebody that understands finance, a lawyer, somebody that understands law, somebody that is your client, your customer and a potential avatar within your business. I mean, they're they're their perception is gonna be completely different than somebody else that is not even a client or not even in the industry. Uh, somebody that understands economy, an entrepreneur, somebody that thinks and is a little bit optimistic and is a visionary, somebody that's an industry expert, a technical specialist, somebody that's good as far as in banking, somebody that's also in PR, whether it's a journalist or somebody that understands the whole concept of what that part is, designers, your marketers, uh, somebody that and may or may not relate, scientists, politicians, they may need to be in there depending on your organization, um, an employee, somebody that's already retired out of your business or retired out of the industry, and then just somebody in your own personal world, right? So those are just different ideas. Do you need all of them all the time? No, absolutely not. But do you need to be able to kind of round out your advisory board? Absolutely. You have to have experts in different areas. And these are just a few that you can actually focus on to be able to get started and what to look for. I like that. I mean, I like that that list. I think that would be good to have kind of a cheat sheet PDF that maybe we can create to be able to put out yeah. somewhere. Because I think, you know, even if, again, if your business is structured as an S Corp or something where you have a designated board, these are great you know, people to have on a board like that. But even if you are a solopreneur and you have no need for a formal board, you know, Tim mentioned a mastermind. You can call it a mastermind. You could just call it like a, a group of like-minded individuals. Call it what you want. But 
like I think the idea of having these same people to turn to is important. And I was kind of thinking as you were going down the list, you know, I've tried to structure those, you know, in my life as well. Specifically, a couple of them I didn't at the very beginning was the attorney mm-hmm. and the bookkeeper. And those are two things I tell people right away. If you're a money ahead, go ahead and have those there. Because, you know, I've, I've a lot of business owners, especially super small businesses, they don't think they need it at first when they first start out because there's not a lot to do. But that's the best time to retain them. That's the best time to get them. Right. It's a lot right. more expensive to go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell you how often I've watched. And let's just use franchising. And I, I don't mean to pick on franchising, but franchising is ripe with these types of scenarios. Not all, please understand, not all franchises are are predatorial, but there are a lot of franchises that are predatorial and they are dangerous. And they come up with their agreements, which are binding by law. They have non-compete agreements and they've got all of these things. And I actually worked with an individual that got himself into a, um, a, a situation where he signed an agreement with a franchise And then that franchise ended up doing nothing yet taking, I think it was roughly around 10% of his overall gross profit, didn't market, didn't help him train, didn't help him hire, didn't help, like they gave nothing except for a name. That was it. That was the only thing that they offered. And then when he wanted to get out of it, they were coming after him with all of the lawyers and all of the entities and all of these other things that were restricting him. So he could not make a living in his area industry of expertise because he had signed a contract with a franchise. So you have to, yeah, like what you're just saying, get a lawyer involved at the beginning. Don't think that you're an expert in these franchising type agreements or some of these agreements that go on. And again, I've just seen so many predatory things inside of the world of franchise. Again, they're not all bad. There are some really awesome franchises out there, but you have to be careful. You have to be aware of what's going on. I think that's that's the same for any type of an agreement. I know, um, you know, I use my attorney to write up the basic a basic form that I'll use. And then, you know, I can make minor tweaks to it. That doesn't change the overall wording of the page, but you know, there, when I first started, I did like a lot of small business owners and I did like legal zoom. Right. And I thought it was fine. Right. There are forms that are written by attorneys or whatnot, but it was actually kind of a, it's kind of a long story. I ended up getting a speeding ticket. I have a lead foot. We're going off road just for a second, but there's a reason I'm going (laughs) to come back. back. We'll make sure we'll come back. So I got a speeding ticket, okay? So I ended up having to go to the courthouse for it. So if you've ever been to the courthouse for, for anything like that, they do all the civil stuff first. You just sit there, right, and listen to everybody's dirty laundry. So I'm sitting there, and there's these two people up there in front of the judge. And the judge looks at the one person and says, well, where did you have this, this contract made? And they're like, legal zoom. And the judge said, this is exactly why I have a problem with, with these type of sites is, yes, it might be a legal contract that's written by an attorney, but the attorney doesn't know when they're writing it what the purpose is for. So one word can change the entire meaning of the entire contract. And that's what happened in this case. And, you know, they ordered it from a site like that, but the one word changed the entire meaning of it that actually made it in you know the other person's favor and it was just kind of it, it opened my eyes because i was using i was using <laughs> i was like oh my gosh you know because at the time you know i'm a new business don't have a lot of dollars and you know the idea of paying an attorney to create these contracts was you know it was, a, it was expensive but you know going to you know to the point of making a contract work in the opposite way is way more expensive so I decided in and there that I was going to take my contracts that I needed to use and have an attorney look at them and tweak them, which that does save money. If you can have the bulk of it written up by yourself or somebody else, whatever, yeah. and they just have to read over and edit it, that does save you dollars. Yeah, you know, but yeah absolutely. I would not the get on is, a site like that and just use it. Right. The point is you, you need to – are you going to spend a little bit right now to make sure that you're on track or are you going to spend a lot later in possibility of hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees and whatever – um, it, it's really, really important to understand that there are different legal languages. I think I said that correctly. That has to be included in agreements. And then each state is a little bit different. That's why it's important as we're looking at this advisory to make sure that you have somebody that's local or somebody that understands the, the state entities, because there are definitely things that large corps will take advantage of just because you don't know. 
or because they don't understand stuff. And uh, just to be frank with you all, I've been sued either directly or indirectly as far as part of a company and a corporation. I've probably gotten six, seven, eight different lawsuits. And a lot of them, they ended up all being thrown out or they ended up just getting dismissed or there was something else. But it had most of those were due to a misunderstanding or misinterpretation from an agreement. And if I wouldn't have had an attorney look at the contracts and look at what I had or I had a lawyer on my side, man, I could be owing millions and millions of dollars to companies and corporations that were coming after me for something that they thought that I had done or done illegally or something along those lines. But it, it worked out in my favor. Every time it worked out in my favor because I had somebody like an attorney look at the wording, look at the documents. That's why it's so important. It's so important. Absolutely. It's, it's in your money I had. And, you know, uh, bookkeeper is the other thing. I, I did, I did my own bookkeeping. I use that term loosely in my first year of business and then I had to pay my accountant to do forensic and go backwards and fix all the crap that I didn't do right, which cost me probably 10 times what it would have. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought I was saving money thinking, oh, okay, I'll do it myself. And then they could just tweak it at the end. And, you know, it's one of those things that's, if you're on a budget, just talk to your bookkeeper and say, hey, I'm on a limited budget. What is the bare minimum that I can get by with to keep everything the way that it should be? And most of them will work with you. And then, because especially if they think that you're going to just do nothing but more and more business with them, because the busier you get, the busier they get, you know? So it's, it's one of those things that don't be afraid to kind of ask on that kind of stuff. That's what I ended up doing. My accountant, you know, the, the following year after I paid him, like, I felt like a million dollars to fix it all. I'm like, okay, what kind of a monthly package can I get that's not going to break right. the bank? You know, and he worked with me and then we've yeah. done nothing but grow. So I, mean, I think it's one of those things that you just need to figure out who you want to go to and who you want to have look at those things. But those are two things I would not try to do yourself. I, You can get by with trying to do your own marketing or whatever. It doesn't mean you'll necessarily 100% do it right, but it's not going to be the same type of turmoil as anything that's related to, you know, taxes and finances and legal, right? Don't right. skip I on this. Yeah. And I think it's important because I've, ha I've run into this situation with accountants and this is just something that's like, this is a little nugget. Ask, don't assume that your accountant who is a tax guy is also a good bookkeeper. There are two different talents in that. Now, yes, they can do both. Yes, they can be talented at both, but there's a definite difference between somebody that is a budget keeper and a budgeter and somebody that does taxes. So don't just make an assumption that when you go to an accountant that they are an expert in both fields, just ask the question because it's That's really right. important to make sure that you're doing both. You have a budget keeper as well as a tax agent. And sometimes they're not the same people. Sometimes I, I frankly, I have two different individuals. I have one that runs budgeting and the finance and I have one that does the taxes. Yeah, I do. This, I do the same thing. Um, and then, you know, my my accountant, actually, my primary CPA, he files all my taxes. And, and then he also runs payroll for one of my companies. But to me, it helps me actually have separate people for some of these things, because it helps me keep it all straight in my brain, too. Yeah. Like, you know, I have another person that runs payroll for you know, the cafe, just because I wanted to keep it kind of separate in my brain, right. because that is not my world. You know, I always say that my accountants and bookkeepers are my best friends because they keep me out of prison and my attorney keeps me out of prison. <laughs> because <laughs> if I was having to file my own stuff, it wouldn't go well, it would not go well. Yep. 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 And um, so what I would, so we've basically talked about the why, why is it so important to have people that are in there? I, I think the most the challenge, and this is where we try to keep it simple, is the how. How do you find these people? Where do you go? What do you do to be able to have, make sure that you have the right people? And I think this, and I, we haven't really talked about the investment part of it because a lot of people don't deal with the investment. But I, maybe just let's touch real quick on the investment side of it. And then let's jump into the how of how do you find people that could be either investors or people that could sit on the board of directors or advisory? How do we actually go about finding that? But first, let's just talk about investment. I know this is your passion, so I want to let you go with it, Maria. No, I've, 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 I have love and hate with investments. I've actually been involved in investments a lot on both sides. I've invested in companies and startups and stuff like that. And I've been, I haven't taken any investments for my personal businesses, but I have helped 
lots of places that needed to raise funds. So that, I mean, it's not that I don't have the experience and I just had one bad experience with the company that just made me to where I'm like, ah, instantly. So, um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I don't see that there's value. Sometimes I'm just a little more, I guess, hesitant than I used to be on figuring out is the investment a good idea. I'm more, yes, I guess, particular now. I, I was particular, I guess, before particular ish, um, but only based on whatever company I was, you know, raising funds for their parameters and maybe me guiding them on what I thought a little bit. But I didn't really have a bad personal experience that made me a little more hesitant that like I do now. But, you know, all in all, I'm not anti-investment. So I will just kind of disclaimer that. There are very good, good, good reasons to take on investors. You know, if you need a large piece of equipment to be able to start your business, you know, most people, if they're just kind of starting it themselves and they don't, they don't have capital from something else that they're putting into it, they're going to need to get those funds for a large piece of equipment from somewhere. So you have traditional ways of doing it with loans and whatnot. But, you know, if you're just starting out, you don't know how many dollars you've got coming in, taking on that loan can be sometimes more risky than taking on an investor. So yeah. sometimes those are very good reasons to go ahead and take on an investor. So you need to think about your your why. I know that you were going to talk about how, but think about your why. If you have a good, solid why on taking an investor, I'm all for it. There's good points to take it on an investor. But you wanted to talk about the how. How to go ahead and jump one on One of the things on the why, though, as you're talking about it, because we're going to talk about the how, but one of the key elements in the why, why is it so important to understand you know, the purpose behind the investment, but you'll also have to have the boundaries around the investment, right? So if That's somebody true. comes in and says, well, I'll give you whatever that number is. I mean, for some people, it might be five grand. For some people, it might be 500,000. It depends on the level of the company, right? Mm -hmm. What are you giving up in return? Because typically you're always giving something up. I mean, just think about Shark Tank. Every time that they go in and they take on an investment, you see the shark sitting across there. Well, what am I going to get for that investment? What kind of a percentage? And as Mr. Wonderful talks about, it's perpetuity. You know, like, am I getting something that's going to pay for? Like, you have to really consider what are you going to give up? So you create the boundaries around that investment. Number one, know the purpose. But number two is create the boundaries around that investment. So that way you're not giving up the keys to the kingdom. However you want to define that. You're not giving up the keys to the kingdom because you needed five grand to be able to make payroll for this month. And then next month you have no company. You Absolutely. have to be very, very specific in that and put boundaries around it. Well, and I think that's huge. I mean, and we can talk about boundaries probably for several episodes, but <laughs> we can talk about boundaries in every about, aspect of life. Yeah, we, could. <laughs> we actually could, which is so important, but you know, I think this is a good place to kind of mention again, that attorney said it's so important to have, you know, before you get into any agreement like that, you know, sure, have your spouse look at it, sure, have your best friend look at it, whatever. But you need to have an attorney look at it, an not their attorney. Correct. That's another Your own. part. Your own attorney. And I realize that if money is tight, retaining an attorney, paying two or three grand to retain an attorney that you may not need seems like a waste of money, but I can assure you it's not. And if I need to further assure you, feel free to reach out to me. I can tell you a personal story where that three grand literally saved my butt, like my butt. Um, and you know, I think it's very important to kind of think about these things because think of it like an insurance policy. You're hoping you're never going to need it, right? You're, you're hoping you're not, but you're going to pay those dollars that they're, that they're there just in case that you do. Yep. And it's the same thing when you're talking about a contract on taking on an investor, you need somebody that's on your side. That's looking at it with your best interests in mind, not the company's. If you're using their attorney legally, their job is for the company's best interest. It's right. not that they're doing anything illegal or wrong or whatever, but they're going to gear it toward their client's best interest. So you need somebody on your side that's geared it toward your best interest. So yeah. that's kind of number one on what I would definitely say with that. But, you know, I do think that when you're thinking about taking on investment, you know, this is mentioning the why again, but um, it needs to be a good solid reason. You mentioned about making payroll. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm 100% all the time against it to, for working capital, but I would be more hesitant to take on investments for something like that because it's like if you're having problems making payroll, there's typically a system problem going on, uh, yeah. right? A structure problem going yeah. on. Yeah. 
So take it. Yeah, in we're going. Technology. We're going. If we start talking about that, we're going to go into our consultant roles, and then we're oh, going to yeah. start working on <laughs> structures and systems. So, so well, yeah, that's why it's really important to understand the purpose. If you want to contact us about what you think or what we'll let's just put that on the table because you can Absolutely. we've been down this road multiple times and recently we've been down this road so between marie and i we've been well down and this. i think it's very common for people yeah when you think about it you have you know we'll just say five thousand because that's what you said you're, you're you have five thousand dollars coming out for payroll so your first instinct is oh i have this person over here that's wanting to invest i'm going to take this dollars in because that'll solve my problem quote unquote but really all it does is it masks the problem and i like i love to use analogies i use this analogy all the time if, if you have like a water link in your bathroom right and the, the wall's all moldy you know you can cut out the drywall fix the leak fix all the problems or you could just keep painting over it every day right and i think that's the problem with taking on these investment dollars you know, if if you're taking it because you're going to take those investment dollars and yes, maybe can't pay, cover the payroll short term, but then you're using it to fix the structure problem, the system problem that got that's you there point. in the first place. Yep. That's yep. one thing. Yes. If you're yep. getting it and you're getting that false assurance that everything's fine and dandy because all of a sudden there's dollars in the bank, yep. you're better off not taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a whole nother conversation. It is a whole nother do. conversation, but so, you're the one that had us talk about investments. So this is where I get passionate. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so now we, we kind of transition into the how. And as much as I'd like to say that there's a definite like a one, two, three, quite frankly, the how comes down to how do you network? Yeah. How are you building relationships? Because at the end of the day, that is what this is, is you're building a trusting relationship with another individual, either on the same plane with you or somebody that's a couple of steps ahead of you. And what I mean by on the same plane is they may be on the same plane as far as whether they're in the business side, but they have a different set skill set uh, or a different industry that they're an expert in. So they're kind of on the same plane, but they're in a different industry, right? So they're like sidestepping a little bit. Um, and, and here's, I, I'm just going to give you what I have done. And please note when I give you what I've done as far as building network and, and doing these kinds of things, I was a lone cowboy for a long time and I didn't think I needed anybody else. It's just, I was pretty much arrogant, egotistical, prideful, like dude, the Toby Keith song, like, how do you like me now? That was my like motto. Cause I was going to do it by myself and then sing this song to everybody once I made it. And I didn't realize how critical and how important my network is. And as much as I kind of don't like the saying about your network is equal to your net worth. It's so freaking true because you have to surround yourself with experts and you have to be constantly moving forward, constantly growing. <clears throat> so the way that I started doing this and being very, very purposeful of it, about it was I identified people that I believed had pretty much the same mindset that I did, had some of the same core values that I held, had some of the main same purposes of whether it was giving back to the community or growing or leaving a legacy. Some people that had similar, what I, what appeared to be similar sur surface level values. And I wanted to find out if they had more, if they were, if we were a good fit. So my very first step was I would invite them out for, let's say it was coffee or over lunch. I know a good friend of mine, he's been doing networking for years over tacos. He goes out for tacos and that's his thing. He does tacos. And the that's point a, that's of a good one. He probably gets a lot of people in the network because I love tacos. Well, he's in, he's in San Francisco. So shout out to yeah. uh, Richard from San Francisco. He's a, he's a great guy. But yeah. he has tacos. Come to San Francisco for tacos, Richard. Just yeah. call. <laughs> love tacos. Yeah. So, but, but the whole point of the meeting is you don't sit there and say, well, what do you do? How like that is so old school. And I, I get so irritated when we go to whether it's a chamber event and after hours and everybody, like, what do you do? What do you do? And like, I don't really give me your 30 second commercial, Tim. Ah, dude, no, <laughs> I'm done with these. Like, I, I hate that. I, like, I'm so done with those because it, it, it's just like a high level thing. What I want to know, because I, I'm really, I care more about your values, your belief systems. I want you, and this is the question I ask. So how did you get to where you are? Basically, what I'm asking is, I want to know about your journey. What kind of hard knocks did you have in your life? What kind of twists? What surprises? What what were the things that you did that all of a sudden you didn't realize were good because it was a bad experience, but it ended up pushing you in a direction that you needed to go? Tell me about your journey. Yeah. And that is the way that you start to build what Napoleon Hill calls the true mastermind, where you're really being able to work with equal-minded individuals who have a different area of expertise. 
you have to build that network. And the first place to start is to invite them and share a meal, share coffee, share a drink, do something together and ask about the journey, not about the, what do you do? What is that journey? No, I think that's huge. And I also think that, you know, for a lot of people, you mentioned at the very beginning, and I was kind of like giggling inside because I'm the same way where you started out kind of arrogant like I could do it myself. And I think a lot of that is masking, you know, trust, mega trust issues, right? Oh, you're going to go there. <laughs> mega <laughs> trust issues. I was the same way. I was like, I can't trust anybody but myself. So yeah. I can just do this myself. I've got this. And I understand that because I've been there. But I can assure you that you know, while you can't trust every single person out there, there are people that you can trust. And, you know, how you kind of determine that kind of goes back to the boundaries that we were talking about earlier. But I love that you mentioned about the journey because I get tired of the glossed over version of everything because, yeah. you know, I think it gives the, the unrealistic idea to business owners that if they don't all of a sudden appear as a quote unquote overnight success, so we can talk about how overnight success is a fantasy anyway that doesn't exist. But, you know, if, if they don't, feel like they're an overnight success, you know, they feel like it's not for them. I just had a, a discussion with somebody actually yesterday, a client, you know, and it was the same thing. Like, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this, 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 and this. And because they haven't reached where they thought they should be. So the very tippy top of what you think of this industry, yep. the top players, they're not, he's not one of the top players. So he thinks it's not for him, but I had to remind him. I'm like, let's write down what you have achieved. Right. First of all, how many people are in your industry? And he threw out a guess number, right? Well, how many people have done, you know, this this thing that you've done? Well, that lowers it a lot, right, on the percentage of people. And then, you know, on and on. But the point is, is no matter where you're at right now, there's people that haven't even made it to where you are. I don't care if you just started. You just opened the doors today. Today's your first day in business. Yep. You have still done something that millions of people have never done that you started your business yep. so i think sometimes it's so easy to forget that we have you know these things that we have succeeded in and we get embarrassed to share our hurdles and our pitfalls as part of our journey but honestly i love that you've mentioned that tim because i think it's the biggest thing of being able to really connect with somebody whether it's a target client you know audience or whether it's a business partner or, mm -hmm. you know, somebody that's you're going to have your mastermind is by being your authentic self and sharing that journey. Cause that's the only way that you really know. Cause that's how you connect. Like, Oh, I felt yep. like that too. Or, Oh my gosh, that's the same thing that I think, yep. you know, those are connectors. Yep. Yeah. And I, I want to caution everybody because we are talking about this and we're thinking like, yes, it's very simple. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this, this, this podcast is we want to keep it simple and it is simple. But it's, but it's so hard. flipping hard to do. I mean, it is really hard to stay consistent. It's hard to put yourself out there. It's hard to have these conversations. It, and then the awkwardness that I have experienced with some of the guys that I invited to coffee is beyond belief. And I'm just like, whoa, uh, okay, this is definitely not my vibe. This is definitely not my guy. Yeah. And so to give you just kind of a small clue about this, I've been doing this for a while. And literally, it's usually one, I'll get one really good contact out of about 20 or 30. And what I mean by good, because there's different levels in your circle of influence, and there's people that I kind of relate with, but I, out of one, but out of 20 or 30, I, I would get one guy that I'm like, I would like to meet with you every week. Yeah. I, but it's, it's huge numbers. I mean, like you got to go through a lot, that's 20, 30, 40 hours sometimes to find one individual that I would be willing to connect with and bring into like a really small tight group. Now, those others, they're not negative. It's not bad. It's just, I don't want to be able to, I, well, some of them I don't, <laughs> some of them I don't want to spend it. But some of them are just like, they're just uh, acquaintances. Some of them are a little bit closer friends. Some are once a month type contacts. And you have to understand that as you're building this, it is hard and you've got to be able to unfortunately classify individuals based on their journeys, their beliefs, their core values, because you cannot have 20 or 30 close personal contacts. That's impossible. You realistically can have about three to five at the very most. That's the amount of emotional energy that you have to spend on in a relationship that is really, really tight. I personally have four right now. That is it. That's all I got. Yeah, I was actually, when you were talking, I was thinking about how many people are in my house. 
<laughs> well, see, that's a different relationship with inside of your house. If you got six kids, you're already. <laughs> like, you got... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I only have five. In the house. I have seven total. But I only have five in the house, so I have two moved out. Right. But still, that's a lot of people. Right. But anyway, no. but just understand I... that relationships are hard, and conflict is going to happen. And no matter where we are at in our community, we have to be willing to look at it and say, I am going to push forward because there is value in this relationship. There's value in keeping that together. And too often we give up. I mean, shoot, we can go down a whole moral value kind of a situation with this, but too often we give up either in our partnerships and our friendships and even in some of the relationships because we have a slight difference. We may be even saying the same thing, but we have a slight difference and we give up on that relationship. We give up on that friendship too quickly. And it's those things which really help support us as we're going through hard times. You've got to be very purposeful. And I know it sounds simple, but it's so difficult to do on a regular, consistent basis. I agree. And I think that that, you know, the reason of saying all that is early on, we were talking, obviously, about kind of building our mastermind. But that's where you start to find people who you can be introduced to that are investors. Say that you, again, let's go back to the big piece of equipment. You're looking to raise capital for a big piece of equipment. You don't want to go the loan route. You would rather give up a small you know, percent of, of equity in your new business um, or your established business to be able to, you know, get that piece of equipment. You know, the first place I would say to go is go to the people that you trust now. You said you're four people, Tim. I'm sure if you were needing to get investment dollars for a specific project, those would be your, the people you'd start with, you know, and because those people also probably have four people. And, you know, well, and it's then interesting that you say that because we just started like two months ago. We started Alpine Brick Exchange. It's a local store. One of the investors is in that core group. And that, you're exactly right. So it goes back to, I de started developing that relationship three, four years, maybe even five years ago now. And we've been meeting on a consistent basis for the past several years. And I said, hey, look, this is what we're doing. He's like, I want to invest in that. I believe in your purpose. I believe in what you're doing. I believe in the fact that you're connecting families. I want a small part of that. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at the, how that is. Now, note, we both made the decision on that, that we were not going to go into a partnership because we didn't want to break the friendship. So it's strictly in this situation, an angel investor, here's the money. I want you to go ahead and make your own decisions, do that. And we were able to set that up. But it was because of the network. It was because of me building that relationship over four years that gave us the opportunity to be able to have this situation where now I can go to Zach and say, okay, we're going to be able to start this because I have an investor that's going to be able to put some dollars to this. I like that you mentioned angel investor. I think that you know we should probably kind of touch base on some types of investment. Angel investor <laughs> is is a term that kind of is utilized quite often. I'd say most people probably heard it. Actually, I think all the time, now all but one of the times that I invested into a business, they were all angel type of investments, except well, for one Find time. angel investor because most people, that probably is the number one. Everybody understands what an investment is. And typically, yeah. like when we look at Shark Tank, an investment is for part ownership or part of a percentage of the profits or as, you know, perpetuity. Um, and there's a lot of definitions and we're not going to take the time here, but go ahead and define angel investor. So the way that mine has always been set up by my attorney is that, um, you know, it ends up, I get paid back kind of like I'm the bank, right? So yeah. I'm loaning out the dollars. So we're going to use the 5,000 again, just for ease. You know, I loan out $5,000 and then I get the interest rate, just like a bank. Would. So the way that I've always had it structured when I do that is I don't make the business decisions. Most of the time, I don't know that much about the business anyway. Yep. I'm doing it as a, the, well, number one, because I believe in the person, because as an angel investor, if you're listening right now and you are somebody that wants to invest, there's a lot of reasons to invest. Because, you know, for me, if I have $5,000 sitting there, I can put it in my savings account and make pretty much nothing. I can choose to put it into the stock market, which is a little bit more volatile. Uh, but there's good reasons to put it in there. I do invest in, you know, stock market, VOO and all that kind of stuff. But then there's also the ability to be able to cash flow a new business. I've been a new business a bunch of times at this point. Cash 
flow for a new business is critical, and especially if it's somebody that, you know, I like, I've got to know, they've become part of my inner circle, I want to be a part of their success in the future, I, or maybe it's a product that I'm like super excited about, and I believe in, you know, whatever the case may be, I decide to put my dollars there and get an interest rate that's going to be better than what I would get in like a savings account. Right. So you have to kind of figure out what that interest rate looks like between you and whoever you are essentially loaning to. And that goes into a lot of factors like how much risk is involved and all the things, how much dollars it is and all that, which I suggest you talk to your attorney and accountant and possibly a financial advisor about if you're trying to determine how to you know, make the magic happen on both ends for people. To keep it really simple, stock market. When you invest in the stock market, technically you're an angel investor. Now, yes, yep. there's a lot of terminology, but at the core of it, you're investing in a blue chip company, whatever that is, whatever dollar amount that is, you're investing in that with the hopes that you're going to get a return. There's risk, yes, but you're hoping that you're going to get between a 5, 10, 15, whatever that percentage is a return based on the investment of a blue chip type company. Angel investing is not much different other than the fact that you're investing in that person and you believe in their passion and you believe in their their vision for the for the business itself, and you are directly investing to that. The stockbroker is just the medium through which you're investing into whatever that stock ends up being. So, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good analogy, and I think the 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 biggest thing is goes back to where we we're talking about you know driving the relationships is that typically happens because like you just said, the person believes in that person or somebody's introduced them and they believe in them. You've got to know them. You believe in the, the business or the product product. That's the least, in my opinion, that's the least risky version of taking on an investment typically because you're, you're still steering your own business. You know, um, there are sometimes, people that come in to do that same type of a structure where, you know, it's where they were, they're pretty much the bank where they've loaned out the dollars and you'll pay them an interest rate back, but they have other stipulations as in they hold X amount of, you know, the business as collateral or, you know, they get a seat on the board or whatnot. Yeah. And sometimes that's called a silent partner. Uh, So sometimes Mm -hmm. you have an investment, which is very similar. You have a partnership. It's not just a straight up loan. You actually own part of the business in an escort, but yet you're silent in the business decisions. Then you have the next level, which is what your board seat is. You do advisory type things for the company. And then the next level is where you're an active part in that partnership where you've invested. And then, so there's a lot of different levels in this. And again, you can talk forever about just this one component of investment. But again, like you said at the beginning, it comes down to what is the purpose? Knowing your boundaries, like what do you have to give up for it? Make sure that you're not giving away the kings of the kingdom. But there's just a lot of ways, and quite frankly, it's impossible to cover in five minutes. Oh, absolutely. And then there's other um, ways to be able to, to raise capital. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of crowdfunding. Yep. Um, you know, selling. Yep. So, I mean, yep. there's, there's lots of ways to get dollars in. And I know, you know, I've had discussions with people in the past um, when we've been looking at how are we going to get the dollars for that you need for your business. You know, there's lots of options out there there's always different types of investments there's bank loans there's um you know invoice type of loans um, which usually have a higher interest rate so i typically don't advise that and there's crowd funding you know there's lots of ways to kind of go at it but you know all in all i think it always dials back to the same things is making sure like you mentioned that your boundaries are in place but also you know the legality is taken care of as well by having somebody that's an expert you know, um, in law, and and that's on your side, right? Your attorney look over the agreement, even if it costs you an extra $500, I can guarantee you that it is money well spent. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So 45 minutes in. We are. Yeah, 47, 36. We should probably wrap it up because, I mean, I know it's getting... Well, I... I feel always feel like at the end, I'm like, there's so much more to say. Yeah, I know. But we talk a lot. That's why. And we're but really there's smart. a lot of information here, too, that we're trying to portray. We are really smart people. It's funny. We always keep talking about it. And we're, we're trying to keep it simple. And yet there's like, man, there's so many things that as you go through, we've got 20, 30 years of experience that we've dealt with. And um, we just want to try to help in regards to not having you fall into the same pitfalls or some of the same traps. And again, that's the whole purpose of this is we want to try to keep it as simple as possible 
So that way you have easy steps, paths forward. And just to kind of summarize today, we talked about more of the relationship structure in your side of your business, which then leads into how do you accept investors? How do you put together your board of directors? How do you bring them together like a board of advisors or even using Napoleon, Napoleon Hill's terminology? How do you put together a mastermind? And it comes down to how do you build your network to fill each of those roles? And it really is hard work, consistent work, but it's simple work. Yeah, I mean, I was actually, I just looked up the definition because I was going to read the definition of simple. So the definition of simple means plain, basic, or uncomplicated in form, nature, or design without much decoration and ornamentation. And I think when we're talking about simple, if he was to write however many steps, let's say 10, 10 steps to being able to successfully you know, navigate the business world, it is simple, right? It's undecorated. But within each of those, there are steps that you have to take that feels hard to do. Not necessarily complicated, but hard, Yeah. right? Have you ever had a task? And I do this on a regular basis. And so I try to make sure I do my harvest task first because there's certain things. It is usually the most simple thing, right? I have to call the propane company to make sure that my contract is good until whatever I think it's good, whatever, right? Not hard. Dial the number, talk to the lady that I always talk to, his name's Soldana, super nice. And I ask her, hey, when is my contract needing to be renewed? And then she tells me, literally takes me less than five minutes. But for whatever reason, I hate to do it. Hate it. It's not complicated at all, but I hate it. And there's no reason because it's simple. But for, for whatever reason, I have to like write it on a post-it note. I have to promise myself, all right, first thing you do when you get in here, as soon as they open, you're calling the propane company. Not because it's hard, right? It's simple. But because sometimes the simple things are hard because for whatever reason, we just don't want to do it. Or maybe we don't, maybe it's something you don't understand or you're not the best at, right? Maybe it's something like, I like, like taxes, right? Everybody's doing taxes right now. Maria's not good at taxes. And I have a bookkeeper. I have an accountant, but there's still portions of it that I have to do to get it ready for them <laughs> that I hate. I absolutely, absolutely hate it. So, you know, I have my list of things they tell me to do. Again, not complicated, not hard. They gave me a cheat sheet, but it's something I'm not great at naturally. It's something that makes me nervous because I'm always afraid I'm going to do something and end up, you know, wearing orange somewhere. So it's like, for me, that's so hard to do, yet it's so simple. I think that's, you know, kind of what this is. Yeah. We want to give you the simple steps to take, but it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy for you to do. And yep. some, of, some of the steps may be easier for some people than others. Yeah, well, and that's why you need that board of advisory. And I'll, some of that will actually come into accountability and holding your feet to the fire when you don't want to do something. So great stuff. I like it. It's good. Mic drop. We'll uh, end on that and we're well, good to go. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Yeah.